check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Tim and Craig. It's been a while since you heard from us. We were a little under the weather. Craig had the flu. I had a sinus infection. Uh, so we missed last week, but we're happy to be back. Craig, Tim, good to be back on the pod with you talking St. John's basketball. I know I missed you guys while we were uh, separated with I'll our try to, I'll, try to, I'll try to avoid coughing into the mic as best I can. We'd appreciate that. You know, if you, you could know. keep the coughing, certainly to a minimum. Yeah, it was Tim, rough. The flu was rough, man. Not yeah, I, I imagine. Tim, good to see you. My son had the flu, too, so that was not great. Yeah, I mean, luckily my family uh, avoided the flu. But, <laughs> and avoided uh, us, so this is a good move. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's certainly been a shitty week for St. John's basketball. Uh, three losses, our first losing streak of the season. We lost at Creighton, we lost at Seton Hall, and then we lost at home against Marquette. Not a great, uh, you know, not a great stretch. Not what we were no. looking for at all. You were hoping no. we would come away with two wins, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you were hoping we would come away with one win at the end. Uh, and to be fair, we almost did, right? We we're one point game against Marquette and Creighton and Creighton. So, yep. you know, and, and those games were, we played well at least, uh, but not really the results you want. So obviously, you know, we know the results. It's, it's been a while. Uh, I know we're getting back to things, but you know, I'm sure people have talked about them, uh, and looked at them and we've certainly talked about them, you know, between ourselves. Uh, but just looking back, you know, the, the Creighton loss. One point loss, as you said, Craig, 66-65, and it was a tough one. It, it was the first time we were in the game in Omaha, and you felt like we were going to come away with a win. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely – the tough part about it is, look, we've always struggled there. We're one in now 12 all-time in Omaha, but it felt like a game we could win. There was a lot that could have went the other way, and if they got the other way, it would have been great. There was a great way to come away with a top 25 win on the road. To, that's a play that win, you know, a win that plays deep into March in terms of a resume. Um, and we got some not good calls. Uh, I know that the team was yeah. pretty gracious in not saying anything about the referees, but we don't have to be gracious because we got screwed, just plain old fashioned screwed. I mean, uh, at the end. fouls with no ten seconds to go is, is always a killer. You can tell when the you know when the just the general population of reporters and commentators were like, yeah, that probably should have been a foul. Because if they are saying it, then you know it should have been a foul. Because yeah. they will they will usually defend the referees to the, to the T. But we usually just get lucky enough to have one big blown miss of a call that just really hurts us. To get back-to-back like that is just – it's pretty painful. Like we know there, there are certain arenas that we are cursed at. We are cursed at the Rock. We are cursed at Omaha. We showed that last week too. Yeah. And but hey, this year we won Nova. We True. we broke yeah. the curse of Nova. Yeah. So we that means we, we're on point to beat Butler at Butler. So well, well two, hopefully. Hey, 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 I'm I'm saying it. It's gonna happen. Two out of four of the curses will be broken this year. Okay. Oh, well, let's hope so. because uh, we're certainly gonna need that win. Anyway, before yeah. we got a long time before we get to Butler. So I, I do think, you know, it it was tough watching those two calls go against us because you're you're we're in the game and you know it look we're in a place we're gonna win we're we're not gonna win but we're in a place where we certainly can win and then like you said two rough calls don't go our way and there's nothing you could do that you can't fight that uh and you know it really just destroys your chance yeah i mean jenkins gets that rebound we win there's no doubt about it i mean and he got fouled he, he just did. I mean, he had the rebound, and Clark Brenner dove at his leg, took out his leg, and made him drop the ball. 
Correct. And he pulled. He, I mean, he 100 percent pulled. He had the bonus hit. I mean, it's, it's a foul. It's only a question. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, I can't remember which linebacker it was. I think he was a San Fran linebacker. Where he caught an interception, and his knee got destroyed. And because his knee got destroyed, he reacted and dropped the ball. And they said it wasn't an interception. Do you guys remember that? I don't. Not really. Vaguely, but not really. But no, Before I think talk about Zach Miller blowing out his knee, and they, he doesn't uh, hold the ball long enough. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, that, that one I remember. Um, but yeah. they, they uh, I, yeah, it's it's hard to watch that and be like, how how is this fair, right? I mean, he, he literally pulls his leg back. He prevents him f- from from getting the ball, and it's just like I mean, it's, it's a foul you know, like hundred percent of the time. It's just uh, not, at, it's not everywhere really else. Good. It's a foul everywhere else. It's a foul. Uh, just not for us. And then to go down the other end, and then on the last second putback. The kid slides underneath Dingle, doesn't let him land. That's another foul. That Correct. One at least, Absolutely. That, that one at least is a little more bang bang because at the end of games, I can see where sometimes that one doesn't. Sometimes get a foul. ref let it go. One hundred percent. It should be called. It should be called because he did not land, and that is absolutely a foul. It's just yeah. It's also a player play. safety issue, by the way. That's 100%. a point of emphasis because it's player safety. Yeah. Let, sliding underneath people like that is is a dangerous play. People can really get hurt, uh, and you know, not calling that is. But again. As I've said on this podcast many times, uh, and I've said it a time a million times in real life, the, uh, refs are accountable to nobody, right? Yeah, they get they they make these mistakes, and what happens? Nothing. nothing, nothing. They don't have to have a press conference. They don't get in. There's no there's no going to be reprimand. Nothing. Not, but there's not even a, not even a statement from the Big East. No admitment. No admitting of fault. Uh, it's it's, and I know it sounds like oh you guys are complaining about the refs. I'm not only complaining about the refs in this situation. My complaint is a broader complaint. Uh, you know, all I'm asking for is some from, you know, accountability, make right. the referees get, it's not like they get questioned by the fans, go out there, have a, require the refs to have a press conference after the game. Let the media ask them questions. You know, I, I sure. think that's personally fair. I, I think the media are fair people, right? They're, they're, they're not crazy yeah. fans. Most of them are, you know, unbiased. So you're going to sit there and they're going to get asked real questions. Hey, what happened on this play? How did, what did Kalkbrenner not grab his leg or what did you see on that play? Sure. That's the questions they're going to get. They're not going to get berated by fans or by me. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. not even having that, it's just no accountability. And it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating well, to have them be able to impact the game so much and just never be able to answer for it. or not yeah. have to answer for it. I should say. Well, like you said before, we have we put eighteen year olds on the stand and have them answer a bunch of questions on the hardest day of their shot, how they missed yeah. their most important shot of their entire life. But you know, the fifty year old referee who gets paid to do this gets to run to the back and never gets seen again. It doesn't have any accountability. It doesn't have to answer any questions absolutely on what we they got, saw. It's you know, absurd. kids, NCAA tournament kids crying through tears, answering questions about how they how in the bang bang play when they were trying to grab a rebound. Uh, they mistakenly pushed a kid, right? Or they nudged a kid. Hey, what you know? And then and reporters asked them, right? Hey, how 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 did you how did you you know why why was your thought process to do this? My thought process was to get the ball because I'm an 18 year old kid playing basketball, right? But yeah. listen, that's fair. I, and, and I'm not I'm not complaining about them getting questioned. They should, right? Because that with all due respect, this is entertainment. And at this point, the players are basically getting paid, and. That's okay. We can have that. It's just we also have to have the referees answer for theirs, right? That, that's all I'm asking for because that's the only way we actually get answers as to what happened there. Because, listen, maybe I don't know the game well enough. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Calc Brenner didn't commit a foul when he pulled Jenkins' leg. Of Hard course he did. 
Of he course did, he did. But, but right? Or, or maybe, maybe, oh, maybe he didn't slide under Dingle enough. But we don't know that because the refs don't give any answers. That's yeah. an, that's enough so, rant. Instead of ranting enough, on the refs. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that resulted in our Creighton loss. Uh, it was a tough one. The Seton Hall game, I don't even want to talk about. Um, it just, was a. It just pounds in the fact that's why I do not go to the Rock. I it's literally horrors for us, and I hate it, and it's awful. It, it's you know, it started off, and I was like, wow, I really have like a flashbacks to last year. Jokingly, I texted, uh, you know, I think I texted you guys, uh, you know, I'll have a flashbacks to last year where we went down big quick. You know, then we got back into it. Okay, you know, we're tied. Okay, great, it's all right. We should be winning, but okay. Uh, then they went on a twenty-eight no run, and. And I remembered exactly why uh, I hate this game and why <laughs> Rick Pitino, the game before, had said he wants to kill himself when he loses, uh, because I do too. Uh, and that's how I felt in the middle of that scene hall game, uh, that I had, I had had it, uh, you know, that it was finally time because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't even watch anymore. It was just painful to watch that game. Rick, Pitino, Rick Pitino's quote, by the way, we forgot to mention it about Creighton, but it was hilarious after the game. When they asked him about moral victories, and he said, "There are no moral victories. Every time I lose, I want to fucking kill myself." <laughs> yeah, Incre- incredible, incredible. Oh, he's like, like die, uh, freeze to death." <laughs> I want to jump outside <laughs> and freeze to death. Yeah. By the way, that's that's exactly that's exactly the response I want from my coach. That's exactly how because that's exactly how I feel. So I want him to feel exactly how I feel, uh, and that's spot on how I feel. Um, and that's how you felt watching uh, Mass Coach just at Seen Hall. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, no, yeah. Well, I think that's enough talking about Seton Hall. It's over. It's in the past. We'll move on and yeah. hope to God it never happens again. Uh, unfortunately, we will face them later this year. Hopefully, the results are much, much different. Yeah. Uh, all right. The rock, that's, that's always good. Avoiding the rock, certainly a plus because God knows if we if we, that building could just, you know, if there was a sinkhole on a Tuesday night when no one was there that dissolved that building, I think St. John's fans would all be happy. Uh, because if we never have to step foot in there again, that would be great. Anyway, our most recent game, also a heartbreaker in pure St. John's fashion to continue our losing streak, our three game losing streak, uh, at home against Marquette, uh, 73, 72, another one point loss. And this one was, I don't want to say more heartbreaking than the Creighton game, but you know, it, there were particular moments at the very end where it felt like, okay, this is it, right? Jenkins almost hits the shot at the end, almost hits the buzzer beater, which we've the last buzzer beater I remember is like D'Angelo Harrison hitting a buzzer beater. Like I'm pretty sure we haven't had a buzzer beater win in like 15 years, but, <laughs> um, but I, you know, you see it and Jenkins, he, he got a good look. It was a good play. Uh, you know, had he made the free throw previously, probably not in that spot, but, you know it, that one almost hurt more because I, f- I felt you know the other ones the ref kind of jobbed us at the end. This one we, we did it to ourselves. We we could have won this game and we could have done it without any interference. I think uh, part of I think part of why it's and that's why it hurt it more is because um, there were a lot of opportunities. A lot of things went right down the stretch that seemed like we should win. Tyler Kolek, right, ninety four percent three. He misses. Finger. He misses three free throws. Three. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen in a world. They missed a bunch of front ends. Like we had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to win that game, and we ultimately came up short. And that's why it hurt a lot. 
and it was home. It always hurts when you lose at home. Um, and I think, you know, it was an opportunity lost because Marquette's a good, highly ranked team or a good team. We had him at home, and we really had him, you know, we, at one point we went up by 10 in the second half. We can't let that game fritter away. We, we can't let them get up 10, and, and then we have to – we can't dig ourselves that big of a hole and they have to come back, which we did. The run at the end, let's be clear, the run at the end was spectacular. Yes, and, Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. Hopefully, they can we can use that as a jumping point to go beyond this game. Um, the run and Tim can tell you best was it was electric, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Uh, it was probably one of the loudest overall games I've been to at the Garden in a while. We've had moments where it was loud at the Garden, but that game was consistently loud. It was actually the first game I've ever taken my daughter to, and. My daughter was frightened by the, the loud sounds for most of the game. So great <laughs> job came, by the fans. <laughs> it, it came through well on TV, and, and it was a big sea of red, which was nice to see. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of times we're battling for uh, for you know percentage of this of Madison Square Garden, uh, but that certainly wasn't true here. And it was uh, great to see such a live crowd. We're going to need that more often. By the way, guys, just continue to buy tickets and come out to games. Because, uh, you know, if we could get that all the time, I think we would really help ourselves in games like Villanova and UConn where teams are much closer, right? Marquette doesn't have as big of a following in New York, but obviously if we could do that against teams like Villanova and UConn, I think we would better serve ourselves and our players. So that was my pitch to uh, come out. Make sure you continue to come out. Uh, probably don't bring your your young children, Tim, uh, uh, yeah. to, to those games if they continue to be that loud. But I do think that is a good sign, right? The loudness, the playing well at the you know having having that run at the end. I I do think there are things to build on from this game. I just you know wish the result was different, right? I wish. Yeah, I mean, I wish. The, yeah, I wish if we had, if we had gotten if we had gotten one out of these three games at least. Yeah, I mean, look, frustrated but understood, right? Okay, we that's fine. About, yeah, I mean, we talked about the last spot. I said if we could win one of the two, Seton Hall and Creighton, winning both of those would have been hard, right? Those are places we don't do well on the road. You win one of those two, you win the Creighton one, you're like, okay, we lose Seton Hall, that sucks. We kind of no-showed that game, COVID. There's a lot of reasons for it. Okay, fine, whatever. The Marquette game's tough at home because you're at home, right? And you want to get that one, but wasn't meant to be. You know, it wasn't meant to be. We had, But we did, you know, we, we played well. We played really well against, I mean, like, R.J. Lewis. I think well, R.J. Lewis, 20 points. And was electric. Again, I keep using that word, but he was. I mean. I mean, absolutely. Uh, he played a great game. He had the best game he's probably had all year. Uh, and listen, there's a lot of guys who played well. I mean, Jenkins, Jenkins has consistently played well. He's kind of a guy becoming much like Soriano where you go like, yeah. Oh, he's got 16? Yeah, normally. That's, you know, that's no big deal. Uh, Soriano didn't have a particularly good game. He had 11 points, uh, a little better low for him, hand. better, better second half, half but, uh, second. 11 and nine didn't get a double double. Uh, and, and I just, I'm a little worried about Joel Soriano to be completely honest. Uh, I, I not that I maybe take the scene hall game out of it. Right. If you want, because we all played terribly. Um, but it's kind of hard to take it out, but he listen. He played well against Creighton. Uh, he played well against Creighton, but he wasn't he, dominant. He wasn't dominant, and then he, he had a terrible appearance in Seton Hall, uh, and then he had this game. And this game, he was good, but he wasn't dominant, right? 
it's a little worrisome uh, because he's the guy, right? I mean, he's our guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we got guys like RJ Lewis who can score 20 points. And like I said, Jenkins is becoming a, you know, he's a consistent 15 point guy, but it, you do have to count on Soriano to be there. Cause there's a lot of big play in the big East. And if he's going to have nights where he's off, we're going to struggle to make up for that because listen, Zuby's great, but he's not Joel Soriano, right? Zuby played very, has played very well over the last, he has. He thank God Very he well. has because he's picked up what I think has been Joel Soriano's a bad stretch for Joel Soriano. Yeah, it has. I think Joel will be fine. He actually went through this, I think, last year as well. He had a couple games where he slumped around this time as well, but then he picked back up as we finished the season. So I, th- I think, look, he's Joel Soriano. I think he'll be okay. Um, I think the emergence of Zuby Ejiofor is huge for us because he has looked he has looked particularly really good in my opinion. I've been massively impressed with Zuby over the last three games. We also did lose Naheem Ali in, in this game. He, um, I watching it uh, there, I couldn't tell if it was knee, ankle, but uh, uh, Patino came out and said it was a sprain. He's out for a couple of weeks, so it's, it's his ankle. Just his ankle. It's his ankle, yeah. Or at least from the TV, he grabbed his ankle when he was when he went down. Yeah, from where I was at sitting, I couldn't tell all the way by the cheerleaders what happened exactly. I saw him go down. I saw Drista helping him to the back, and Patino saying he has sprains. So uh, it's not great to lose a, a good defensive guard that can shoot a three. Uh, the one thing I'm wondering, do you think uh, uh, Simeon is going to get more playing time and start to blossom? We'll see. I mean – I think Glenn Taylor probably in line more for some of his minutes. I think Glenn Taylor will definitely see a lot more usage. Um, I think Simeon gets some some playing time. I mean, he had he's getting more as we go. So I, I think you know I think it'll certainly give him more opportunity to shine for sure. I, I do think Wilcher may get you know he, he has been getting more minutes. So I think there's certainly that opportunity. One thing I did want to touch on in this game, and you know, listen, I know we kind of live and die by the three. But at the end of the game there, we're taking shots that we have absolutely no reason to take. Uh, you know, we're down by two. We're, we're hucking up threes. Ledlam threw one up. Jenkins threw one up. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's frustrating to watch. I know that's Rick Pitino's style. I know that's the play. But th- there is a time where it's like, all right, you know, you're down by two. Just, just get a two, right? You don't have to hook up a three just because you're, you're Ledlam in the corner, right? You don't have to just – I just it, – it, it's kind of tough – to watch when that happens because when you miss them, they hurt even more. Yeah. I think the critical I, possession was that with 30 seconds to go, when we didn't get a score. I mean, I'll say this with Ledlam in the corner. If he's open, I'm perfectly okay with him shooting that three. I think he should make it. it. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I think he should make it. He didn't. That's the thing that sucks about this, but I think for him to take that shot, it's not inappropriate. It's not misguided. I think it's someone in the corner that we would approve of mid-game to shoot that three. I think I would be perfectly okay with him shooting that again at the end. I disagree, Tim. I think I understand where you're coming from. In the middle of the game, that's fine. 15 minutes to go, no problem. When we're down by one point and, you can, and you're Chris Levin who can get to the basket at will, essentially – you should drop to the basket and make the referees make the foul call because Correct. they will because they will call a foul and you only need one. 
Yeah, so that, you, that, you drive that ball to the basket and you force the contact, which he does extraordinarily well. He's a yeah, good that, shooter, but he's a better driver. Go drive to the basket, go get fouled, go make a layup. That's what I. That's in my opinion. Look, easier. That was my point. I, I said two points. I meant but, one, but that, I'm 100 percent correct. It, it's a situational awareness, right? You know you're going to get fouled. There's no doubt if he drives to the basket, Marquette's going to foul him, right? And listen, maybe maybe he doesn't make the free throws, but you got to get the contact there. You got to make put the refs in the place to call the foul, because you know as nice as it would have been to go up by two points, making sure you go up by any amount of points is more important. Because as we saw, we lost the game because of it, right? We we literally could have had a lead, and instead, both times we shot three pointers up by one point and missed, and and we didn't come away with any points, and we and we lost the game because of it. The second one, obviously, you don't have much of a choice, but no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about before that. Oh, I'm not talking about the. I mean, obviously, the final shot we had four seconds. I'm not. I'm not an good idiot club. to think that we should, you know, not. Shoot a three pointer there. We should shoot any basket we can get in the air there. Uh, before that, not not the possession directly before that, but one before that, one before the Ledlam one. Quick rant on the referees too. R.J. Lewis stole that ball clean to call a foul. There is absurd. oh, that's a jump. Boop boop. Got to be a it's jump. Hundred percent a jump. At, at worst, a jump. In reality, if they hadn't blown the whistle, R.J. Lewis probably comes away with it by himself. Probably yeah, no, he would have. He would have. But uh, at the uh, minimum, you have to call it jump. In all honesty, it, the the replay and and uh, the announcers on the call said it too. It it, it was a jump ball. It was a hundred percent a jump ball. If you drew a picture of what a jump ball looked like, that's exactly what happened. So I, it was it was a tough one to to not have that one called our way uh, because we get the ball there and obviously it's a different game. But it wasn't, and we didn't come away with the victory. We came away with our third loss in a row, which. Uh, you know, was not the stretch we were looking for there. All right. We got to do a spotlight player of the week, even though it was a terrible, terrible week. And I, you know, no offense, but Joel Soriano, not going to win this week for sure. Um, Craig, why don't you lead us in our picking of the spotlight player of the week? I'm going to pick Zuby. I think Zuby had the most energy. He's the only one in the scene hall game who really showed out very well. I think he gave us some big minutes against Marquette. Um, so I think I'm going to go Zuby. All right. One vote for Edgeford. I think it may be his first spotlight player of the week vote ever. Uh, Tim, who do you got for us? I'm actually going Zuby as well. Uh, plus minus for him. Uh, very good in the past couple of games. He stepped up big. I mean, we got blown out in Seton Hall, but he stepped up big uh, having to jump in for Soriano for most of that game. Played very well uh, against Marquette. Had I think the possibly the best plus minus. I, I got to look back and uh, check in, but one of the top three in plus minus. And even against Crayon, another solid game for him. Six points, four rebounds. For our backup center, he's he would he he fills what I recognize as a spotlight for this week. All right, interesting approach. Who knew Zuby Edgerford going to be the spotlight player of the week uh, after never having received a vote before? I am going to disagree. Uh, I'm going to give it to the only guy to score double digits in all three games, and that's Dennis Jenkins uh, because he's Dennis Jenkins and he deserves it. He's come on in a way um, that I think. He's at a, as advertised is what I would say, right? He was expected to be 
that kind of number two to Joel Soriano, and he's been up to the billing. Uh, and he does it kind of quietly because of, you know, Joel playing like Joel and everyone focusing on him. But he uh, is just out there consistent grinding. And uh, I think he, in big moments, is a guy that we, you know, listen, he, he, he missed, you know, he missed the free throw, right? And it's a big moment. I think he's a guy in bigger moments we'll be able to count on going forward because I think he's a guy who takes it to the heart and is going to step up and say, all right, listen, I missed that free throw. I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to move forward. Uh, so he would have been my guy, but I lost. Zuby Edger for the spotlight player of the week this week. Uh, and he's been great for sure. And, and it's exciting to see him step out, particularly during this tough stretch for Joel Soriano. All right. That concludes the sad portion uh, of the podcast. Uh, we are now heading into what will hopefully be a happier portion of the podcast as we Time look, to ahead. look ahead. Time to, Time look, to look ahead. ahead. The past is the past, and that's all it'll ever be. Um, so, three game losing streak, hoping that comes to an end. Uh, we got a a fun matchup, in my opinion, on Wednesday at 8.30 at Madison Square Garden. It'll be facing off against the Villanova Wildcats uh, on Fox Sports 1, for those of you watching at home. Listen, I know in the past it's been hard to beat Villanova twice, but I do think this year it's going to happen for us. Uh, we beat them in Villanova. We beat them by 10, uh, and we did a good job of leading from wire to wire. And I don't see why that would change here. So I think we're coming away from a win with a win, and we're going to break this three-game losing streak. Craig, what do you think? How are we going to how are we going to do on Wednesday night? I'm going to be optimistic and say we're going to win. I think we cruised against them at Villanova. Uh, the only difference can be Justin Moore will be back for this game, uh, which is a, an X factor for them. So it will be a little bit of a different game, um, but I, I still think we come out of top. That's my. All right, Tim, you think we're, we're going to sweep Villanova for the first time in I don't even know how long, to be completely honest. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. I do think it's going to be a bit more of a defensive game than we are expecting. Uh, I think both teams will struggle to get into the 70s. They did just lose to UConn by one point. Just a more great game. He was uh, 7 for 9. 15 points, five rebounds. I think having Moore and Dixon both healthy at the same time against us, I think it's going to make our uh, our team's going to have to step up offensively and be consistent. We can't we can't risk having any 10-0 runs against this team being fully healthy again. The runs have really killed us of late. I mean, we have allowed some serious runs that have been extraordinarily problematic. I mean, you talk about the there's a uh, what a twenty-eight two? Well, fourteen and two run against Marquette. There was yeah, no, a, that was killer. There were two set. I mean, the twenty-eight zero run was actually two separate fourteen zero runs at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Right, um, which is even almost even worse somehow. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, runs have killed us. We got we need to to Tim's point. We need to minimize those uh, against Villanova. Villanova is a good team, and they're a team we're going to be fighting with for a position in the Big East. Uh, you know, once we break this losing streak. So I, and I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, and I think just from our last performance, I, I know obviously Moore is back and he's, he's great, right? He's averages 12 point a game. Uh, you know, he's, he is like Craig said, an X factor for them, but I, I just, I feel like, I feel like we're, we're 
coming into this game uh, upset, right? We've, we've had a tough stretch. This is the toughest stretch we've had this season. Rick is going to be on. Uh, you know, he's going to be on, right? And he's going to be in a place where, you know, this is it for us. We need to win this game because this is the time where we need to lock in and we can't have a four game losing streak, particularly I think because there's a week between games, it's kind of a, it's kind of that it's our bye week So uh, we play Villanova on Wednesday and we don't play again until we play Xavier the following Wednesday. So I think he's going to come out and say, listen, we can't go into this bye week with, with four losses in a row. We just can't do it. So we have to win this game. And I think they come out and they, they take care of business. So this, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll set this up you know, a little bit for you guys. What, what do you think is the key factor to us winning this game? That's different from the previous matchup with Villanova. So, you know, obviously last time against Villanova, it was a great win wire to wire. Didn't even have to sweat it. What do you think we have to do differently this time with them having more back? Uh, to have the same level of success. So mine really doesn't have anything to do about more coming back. It has to do more about, well, uh, more about the fact good that... Pun, good pun. Yep. Uh, when local kids get to play at the Garden, they always go off. It's TJ Bamba's first game at the Garden against us. Now that he's at Nova, after being at Washington State, local kid. We had to stop him from scoring a bunch of points against us because that's what always happens. That's interesting. I mean, that is a very good point. That always happens. We always talk about one guy, a random guy going off. Uh, and you are right. It tends to be the more local kid. So I can see that happening. I, I mean, think TJ Bomba did go off against us in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia though. Yeah, I was going to say that. So, we, so were okay. we were okay last time. As long as he and Justin Moore don't go off, then we'd be okay. Well, I think Tim's right, though. What, what we need to do differently this time is we need to shut down Bomba. So he yeah, followed the question okay. correctly, Craig. Right. Uh, unlike you, who probably has two answers that are one of them being I've, unrelated to whatever I it was. three or four. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but no, I think that's a very good point, Tim. I think, I think because having more back, you do risk a double blow up, if you will, uh, which could be hard to overcome. Craig, what do you what do you think here? Give me at least give me your top one because uh, you know I'm sure the three, four, and five are probably related to something else. I don't. So I would actually say it's not something we have to do different. It's that we have to we have to continue to do the things we did against them over the first time, which against essentially a different team. So we have to continue to shoot well. We have to defend the three. Um, you know, Villanova didn't hit a lot of threes when we played him last time. We need to continue that. Um, so that's what I, I think we need to limit, you know, limit turnovers. All of those good things. Play Just, the game we played last wow. time. Oh, well, all right. You know, Craig, I really went into that answer expecting you <laughs> to have something more than actually. I think we need to do exactly what we did last time, considering we won by 10 points. That's a valid point. I mean, yeah. Me too. I, I think we need to do what we did last time as well. Uh, but you know, if it's not broke. Don't fix it. Maybe, maybe next time review the questions uh, and then then come up with a little <laughs> little more in depth answers. I'd appreciate that. Anyway, uh, it'll be an exciting one. Uh, Eight thirty at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday. Make sure we come out. I'd like to see a big sea of red again. Nice loud sea of red. Uh, Tim, bring Maddie back. Hopefully, she uh, you know. <laughs> It covers her ears. Bring some earmuffs this time. Uh, but well, I, I she, hope she she is zero and one. 
Uh, never mind. Leave her at home. Uh, I, <laughs> like I said, uh, that, that, that's the only game this week. So it's going to be a big one for us. Well, as we head into the only game this week, why don't we take you know, a, a look at where we're at in the college basketball world? Obviously, with the three-game losing streak going on, I know there's a lot of people out there who are, uh, you know, in freak-out mode. They've hit the panic button. This is it. You know, this is the St. John's of old. We see ourselves heading down the same track. Uh, and I don't think that's true. Uh, so we currently sit, as I mentioned before, seventh in the Big East, uh, four and four, with a 12-7 and seven overall record. Um, you know, listen, seventh is not where you want to be in the Big East. But just to give you some context here, uh, we're four and four. There are three teams directly ahead of us, Marquette, Villanova, and Xavier, who are four and three. Uh, so it's not like we're far away from being in fourth place. UConn at the top, seven and one, Seton Hall, six and two, and then Creighton is five and three. Below us is Providence at three and four, Butler at three and five, Georgetown at one and six, and the lowly DePaul do blue bleh, the lowly DePaul Blue Devils. Nope. The lowly DePaul Blue Demons at 0 and 7. So, is it where we want to be? No. Do we have the ability to directly impact it? Yes. We win this game against Villanova. They're going to drop to 4-4. Four and four. We'll be 5-4. and four. We'll move ahead of them. And then next week, we play Xavier, who's currently ahead of us by being 4-3. and three. They play two games this week, obviously. Uh, so, listen, d- we can directly change where we're at in the Big East and turn things around very quickly over the course of the next two weeks. So, I, I, th- I, I yeah, think... I- I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, is what I'm trying to say, guys. Well, I think if you, I think if you take a look at it, right, there's ten games left to go. There's more than half of the schedule to go, so there's still a lot of this story to be written. And if you think about, think about the games we have left, and think about teams that have made the tournament, right? Four of those ten games are DePaul and Georgetown. That should be four wins. There's no reason those shouldn't be four wins. So that already puts you at eight and four. <laughs> Right, just take those four wins. You're eight and four in conference. The other games you gotta you gotta worry about are there's Butler on the road and Xavier at the road on the road. Those are games you could win. There was very winnable games. That's six. The other four games are UConn at home, Nova at home, Seton Hall at home, and Creighton at home, and Market on the road. Sorry. Right. So those it, are the games. Those games are going to determine. You yeah. really need you really need to win like three of those games. You win three of those games. You're talking about 12, 11, 12 wins in the Big East. That's you're you're a tournament team with by every objective standard. If you win those games, so we're we're fine. We're fine as long as we don't. We haven't dropped a game that we haven't haven't been allowed to drop yet. In my opinion, correct. And and, and honestly, you look at our net. We're still we're forty one in net. Oh yeah, we're in, right. We're, you know, we're we're doing great. And and. Craig, I know we were talking before the bracket matrix, which is the website you like to use. Where do they have us in the tournament? They have us as the highest eight seed, so we are one step away from being a seven seed. And the yeah. team above, above us is Villanova. <laughs> so if we right. win, you know, obviously it would make no sense that over the course of all the bracketologists, we would move into the seven a seven seed. That's a that's good. That's a good to be. They're a good spot to be. Look, there's work to be done. There's games that have to be won. Nova is extraordinarily important on Wednesday. Extraordinarily important on Wednesday. But there's still opportunities for this team. And I think, let's not panic. I know we're a tortured fan base. There's time to go. Let's let's trust in the process. Let's trust in Rick Pitino. 
and let's see where we this season takes us. That's my my rant. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you, Craig. I, I think it's, you know, listen, the easy react is to be pissed and to be concerned. And I, and, and I get it. It, it. You have every right to be pissed and concerned. But I don't think it's really a panic mode moment. I think, you know, it's a tough stretch in the schedule and, and the balls didn't go our way. So get back on the horse and put things in the right direction. That'll do it. For Craig and Tim, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.